Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. address a question. I just finished the series and we were kind of in that for six or seven weeks and today's going to be pretty much a standalone message. But as I started really just praying and seeking about what to share, this because of several questions that have been posed to me over the past period of time, this is something I think everyone struggles with from time to time. Discerning what is really God's will for my life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my calling? What are my gifts? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing in life? What is it that God wants me to do in my life? Well, today I want to share with you about what I have, eight, seven or eight different principles. These are just some very practical principles from God's Word that I have used over the years to help discern what God's will is for my life. And these are practical principles that I share in counseling with individuals that come to me struggling about a decision, struggling about a discernment of what God's will is for them. Oftentimes, I'll start unpacking some of these principles that I'm going to share with you today. So this can be life transforming for all of us because there's nothing more joyful in all of life than living right smack dab in the center of the will of God. It's the most enjoyable ride that you'll ever experience in life is being in the center of God's will, laying your head on your pillow at night and knowing that all is well with your soul and you're right where God wants you to be doing exactly what he has called and planned for you to do. What a tremendous feeling that is. So I want to try to help you to get to that spot. Okay. So there are like, what what do I have? Eight, seven or eight of these eight different principles that I'm going to share. Obviously I can't spend a lot of time on each one of them. Matter of fact, I could almost turn this into an eight week sermon series and unpack each one of them. But I want to try to give you an overview of really what these eight principles are that can help you discern what God's will is for your life. Here's what I do know. There's not one person here today that's here by mistake. You're not walking around on this earth today because you were an accident. Now, there are accidental parents, but there are never any accidental children. Can I get a witness? Say amen or amen. There are accidental parents. There's never an accidental child that's born into this world. That's one of the reasons why I think we should stand so strong and and be so pro-life in everything we do and fight for those babies in those wounds. I think we ought to be very step forward and and make a very uh, straightforward uh, announcement of, hey, we are for the child in the womb. I believe that life begins at conception, not at birth. Say amen or me. I hope you're with me right here, guys, because uh, God has a plan for every single one of us. And so I want you to try to figure that out and hopefully and prayerfully apply these principles to your life so you can know for sure what God's plan is for you. So let's start real quickly, okay? I've got eight of these I've got to get through. I can't spend a lot of time on each one of them, but I want you to get these. Number one, simply, 
some key, vital key areas in your life that you must put into practice to discern and know God's will for your life. Number one is simply to walk with God. Now that sounds very simple. Simply walk with God. You, as starters, if you're interested in discerning and knowing what God's plan is in your life, then friends, you must learn how to walk with God. And your walk with God is so much more than just a Sunday morning worship service, right? If this is all you've got going on in your life, just coming here on Sunday morning and worshiping the Lord, if this is all the Bible you get, if this is all of God that you get in your life, just Sunday morning worship service, then you're wandering around out there in the wilderness in the darkness and you're not going to have a clue what God's will is for your life. You need so much more. This is just the cherry on the top, right? I mean, this is just fun to come together and worship the Lord and fellowship with other believers. I mean, this is the cherry you got to get down into the ingredients of that pie and you got to start putting things together in your life. And it starts with walking with God, knowing Him, developing a relationship with Him. Guys, I have preached this since 1999 when we started this church. I have said this from day one of starting this church that Christianity is about relationships, not necessarily about religion. I run into religious people all the time. But they can be religiously wrong in what they believe and still miss heaven. But they're religious. Are you out there? Right? Christianity is about a relationship. Matter of fact, it's about multiple relationships. But it starts, first of all, with our vertical relationship. And then it extends to our horizontal relationships. We must know God. Right? We must walk with Him. We must cultivate our relationship with with the Lord. We must seek to know Him, not simply know about Him. There is a difference. We must seek to know Him. Not simply know about Him. We've got to have more than just a head knowledge of who He is. We've got to have a heart knowledge of who He is. We've got to know who He is, yes. But then we've got to apply who He is to our life and surrender our life to Him and walk with Him on a daily basis. And friends, if you'll nail down point number one, you will start real fast to figure out what God's will is for your life. If you will simply learn to walk with God. Well, how do you cultivate this relationship? Real quickly. How do you cultivate this relationship with the Lord? How do we cultivate that? Well, number one is we've got to spend time in His Word. Every single day, we've got to spend time in the Word of God. So I want you to ask yourself the question. Am I spending time every single day in God's Word? Am I reading God's Word? Am I studying God's Word? Am I having my devotional time every day with God's Word? Guys, that's, that's our walking with God, right? We must learn to be in the Word of God every single day. And then also, we must be in prayer, right? Whenever we're in the Word of God, that's God speaking to us. Then when we're in our prayer time, that's us speaking to God, right? So we've got to be doing both of those every single day. And then I think also we need to take advantage of every opportunity that we have to be plugged into the ministries of a local church, right? For those that are watching online, wherever your local church is, you need to be there. For us that are here, we need to be here. We need to get plugged in. I mean, part of walking with God is fellowshipping with other believers, seeking godly wisdom and counsel, which I'll get to in a moment. But we've got to walk with God. How do we do that? Be in God's Word every single day. Pray every single day. Just talk to God. So people say, well, I don't know how to pray. You know how to talk? 
you know how to pray. Right? It's just simply talking to God. Just talk to Him and share with Him your deepest feelings or your deepest hurts or your, your anxieties. Just whatever it is that's on your mind. Just share that with God every single day. I love Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall, right? Not he might, he shall direct your path. Now, him directing our path, I want you to see, is conditional. What's it conditioned upon? It's conditioned upon us trusting in him with all of our heart and not leaning on our own understanding. There's some things as you walk with God and get in the center of his will that he's going to ask you to do. If you lean in your own understanding, it's not going to make sense to do that. But yet when you trust in him with all your heart, he now is going to start making a way and unfolding some things that you never could see before. I remember when I was driving a truck for UPS. My wife was working at the post office and I came home to her one day and I said, honey, I think it's time for me to quit my job at UPS. And she said, what? What? We just bought a house. We had all this property. and We had these vehicles and we had a boat and we had all this stuff. And we're like, okay, I'm going to quit my job. What? Well, I think that's what God wants me to do. What are you going to do? I think he's, and at that time I was a bivocational um, associate pastor. Okay. And he said, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know, but I just feel like God wants me to go into full-time Christian service. I'm not really sure where it's going. At that time, I had no church calling me. I had no direction whatsoever as far as another ministry to go to. I just felt in my spirit it was time to walk away from my job at UPS and trust God, lean on this verse right here, not my own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all my heart and go, walking with God. And I tell you what, I had no idea where God was going to take us. And that was 30 years ago. But I tell you, it's the most wonderful journey I've ever been on in my entire life. But it started with me not leaning on my own understanding, but trusting in the Lord with all of my heart, walking with Him every day, in His Word every day, praying to Him every day, surrendering my will to His every single day, following God. It's an amazing journey when you find yourself in the center of God's will. And it all starts with simply walking with God. So everybody say walk with God. That's number one. Number two is this, and I just bumped into this in my little speech there. Number two is we must surrender your will or our will to God's will. Right? We gotta die out to the flesh. We gotta die out to ourselves. We gotta surrender our will to the will of God. Now here's the problem. A lot of folks think, well, let me let me spiritualize this. And they'll look at their situation. And they'll say, okay, God, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go this direction. This is what I want to do. And I start doing this. And then we say, okay, God, I need you to bless it. Right? I need you to rubber stamp your approval on this. I need you to bless what it is that I'm about to be doing. Let me tell you something, friends. That is backwards. Right? You don't go do whatever it is you want to do and ask God to come along and bless what you're doing. That's not walking in the center of God's will. Walking in the center of God's will is when you throw up your hands, you get on your knees, you fall on your face before God, and you say, God, I am going to surrender my will to your will, and I am going to follow where you lead me in life. And if this is what you want me to do, or this is the direction you want me to go, then I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to surrender my will. If you start doing that, you're slowly going to start seeing and discovering what God's will is for your life. 
But you've got to die out to your own self or your own will. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Great passage of Scripture. And I'd love to unpack this a little more, but I'm just going to bump into it. Look what he says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Stop right there. You know, in the New Testament world, in the church age today, God's not after a burnt sacrifice or a dead sacrifice any longer. He wants a living sacrifice. He wants you. He wants your life. He wants you to surrender to him. You remember in our stewardship series that we just completed? You remember the first thing that I shared with you that God wants you to give before you give your time, your talents, your treasures, before you give any of that? The very first thing he wants you to give is what? Yourself. He wants you to give your heart. Well, the same thing is here. If we're going to discover God's will for our life, then we've got to surrender our own will to his will. And then we've got to do what Scripture says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God and say, God, here I am. I'm yours. All right? I'm not much. I don't have any hair. But here I am. Right? I am yours to use however it is you want to use. That's where we've got to get in life. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, guys, none of us can live a holy life apart from Jesus Christ, but we need to strive to live a holy life, which is acceptable to God. And that is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does all that mean? Oh, I could could preach for hours on these two verses right here. But look at verse number two. Do not be conformed to this world. Right? The way we get conformed to something is that we're living real close to it. How many of you men carry a wallet in your back pocket? Some of you guys do? Does that wallet look today like it did the day you bought it from Macy's or wherever it is you bought it from, when you bought it brand new? No? When you bought it brand new, it was crisp, it was clean, it was fully square, and the corners were just perfect, right? But after you carry it in your wallet or in your back pocket and you sit on it for a period of time, what does it start to do? It starts to conform to the shape of your, well, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? So it started, there's a transformation that's starting to take place. Why? Because it's so close and it's having pressure applied to it and it's right there. The same thing needs to happen to our life. How are we transformed? We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind by being in God's Word every single day, by being in prayer with Him, by monitoring what comes in, by filtering the eye gate and the ear gate. We're renewing our mind, which renews our heart, which transforms our life and gets us closer to God. Are you guys getting this? Man, this is good stuff. Good stuff. Let me tell you this. Jesus was willing to die for you. Surely, we should be willing to live for Him. Amen? Surrender our will. Start today. Just the little areas in your life. Just start surrendering. I know you've got to surrender it all. But as God is working on you and pruning you and cutting little things off of your life and pruning that, that branch so that you can produce more fruit and, and be who it is that he wants you to be, there's going to be little areas in your life that he's going to say, okay, I need you to surrender this part to me now. I need you to surrender this part to me now. And as you start doing those little steps along the way, you're going to find yourself right in the center of God's will. It's a wonderful journey, right, to be in the center of God's will. Number three, obey what you already know to be God's will. This is big. Obey what you already know 
to be God's will for your life. Now, most of us already know probably 80 to 90 percent of what it is God wants us to do. Right? I mean, there are some things that are pretty generic in God's word for all of his children to be doing. And that's unpacked in the word of God. So most of, most of us already know some things that we should be doing. Right? Some principles of God's word that have been taught to us. Whether by myself or here at the church or, or your own reading of scripture and the Holy Spirit illuminates the word and gives you insight to a, a passage of scripture and, and there's something you need to obey there. But here's the deal. If you're not already obeying what God has already instructed you to be doing in his word, why do you think he's going to share any more information with you? Are you with me? We've got to start obeying what we already know to be God's will. Now, there's a great passage in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And the latter part of it, in verse 22, says this. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Let's say that together. To obey is better than sacrifice. Let's say it one more time. To obey is better and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Go back up to the first part of that verse. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Now in the Old Testament day, the burnt offerings and sacrifices was their way of worshiping the Lord. So we could fast forward to the church age, to the 21st century, to today, and we could almost change the verse to read something like this. Does God delight in your Sunday morning worship of singing praise and worship songs as much as he does you obeying what he says in his word? Kind of what the principle is there. Okay? So he's not really, he desires our worship, but he wants us to obey him first. Right? He wants us to do exactly what it is that he's called us to do. Now, within the context of this scripture, you'll find in this passage, and I don't have time to unpack all of this. I just want to bump into it with you real quickly. But I want you to see this. Saul was disobedient to God. He was disobedient in at least three ways. Number one, you may want to jot these down. I don't have them in your notes or anything. But number one, now, you know who Saul was, right? He was the king, right? He was the king. Now, God had allowed him to be the king, but that wasn't God's sovereign will for his nation, was to have a king. But they wanted to be like the Gentiles, so they said, well, we want a king like everybody else has a king. And he said, well, I'm your king, God was saying, but okay, I'll allow you to have Saul, right? So that's kind of a little bit of a backfill there. Now, Saul's the king, and then Samuel, we know is who? Samuel is the priest, the prophet, right? He's the priest, he's the prophet. He's the one that's supposed to be unpacking and leading everything. Now, the way God set it up, he said, okay, I've, I've got myself, and then I'm going to have my, my priest, I'm going to have Samuel, and he's going to tell you, Saul, what you're supposed to be doing, okay? But Saul got ahead of God. Saul got ahead of Samuel. Saul was filled with himself. He was the most egotistical, narcissistic individual that you'll find in the Word of God, right? It's all about me. Life is about me, Right? I'm handsome, I'm good looking, I'm this guy. That's what Saul's saying. I'm the leader, right? What was one of his mistakes? One of the areas that he disobeyed is that kings were not supposed to offer sacrifices on behalf of the community. That was the job of the priest. That was not the job of the king. But Saul now is offering a sacrifice and burnt offerings to the Lord 
And Samuel is not even present. Samuel has delayed himself a little bit. He's running behind schedule. Saul now is in panic mode. You go read all this. You'll kind of put all this together. He's in panic mode. His, his army is dwindling. The battle's before him. He's in crisis mode. He's saying, I gotta do this worship thing and then I gotta go to battle or we're all gonna die here. I don't know where Samuel is, but he's late. That's the process thinking of Saul. That was a mistake. Mistake failure number one is that kings were not supposed to offer sacrifices on behalf of the community. Now, they could offer, offer a sacrifice for themselves, but not on behalf of the community. Get it? Good. Number two, mistake that he made, disobedient step that he took. It was Samuel who was to convey the Lord's battle plans to the people, not Saul. Samuel was the one that was supposed to come and share with everybody how we're going to fight this battle. Because this is the direction of the Lord from the word of his prophet, from the word, from the man of God. This is what we're going to do. So at the end of the day, and when they're victorious, God gets all the honor and the glory. But once again, Saul's in panic mode. Samuel's delayed himself. He's running a little late. He's not there. So what happens now Saul says, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Matter of fact, he looked more like a pagan king in that moment than any other moment because that was exactly how the generals of the pagan culture, the Gentiles, worked. They had their own wisdom and their own demise and their own devices that they were going to do. And they would share it with everybody. And then they would ask their God to bless it. That's not how God set Israel up. God, his priests, his prophets... His people. And Saul was down there among the people. But he disobeyed and he went ahead of God. And probably crisis number three or disobedient step number three for Saul is that Saul made the decision to trust himself at the crisis point rather than wait and trust on God. It all boils down to this. Saul's faith failed. And when it failed, he thought, well, I'm just going to worship. Right? And that's when Samuel comes in 1 Samuel chapter 15 in verse number 22. And he simply says, does the Lord delight in your burnt offerings and your sacrifices? You're being so disobedient to what God has already commanded you and told you. And now you're trying to worship him? Does God really delight in this? That's not God's purpose and calling in your life. You've taken matters into your own hands. You're running ahead of God. You're working out of the flesh. God is not pleased with this. Now, don't bring your worship until you get your heart right and you start obeying what God has already told you that you're to be doing. Woo, that's good stuff, isn't it? That's straight out of 1 Samuel. Go read it. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. Well, I guess not if you put it in context of what's going on, but it's a great lessons there. God wants you to obey what you already know. Right? Oh, let me bump into this. I feel like I need to say it. It may make half of you mad. I don't know, but I'm going to say it anyway, right? i got to obey God, right? Right? We just came out of a stewardship series. We see in God's Word where we're supposed to be obedient in our tithing. Right? So don't come in here today and say, hey, Pastor John, help me discern what God's will is for my life. I've already taught you from God's word that we're to be obeying him by giving him the first fruit of our increase, which is the time. But God, well, I'm not there yet. I'll get there in time. Pray for me, Pastor. Now help me discern what God's will is for my life. No, 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 no. 
You've got to go back and obey what you already know to be the truth of God's word. And once you obey what you already know, he will then reveal more to you. And you can continue to walk in the joy of the Lord. But it all starts with obedience. Are you with me? <laughs> That's good stuff, isn't it? I love it. Obey what you already know to be the will of the Lord. 1 Samuel 15, 22 again. This is in the message paraphrase. I want you to listen to this. He says, do you think all God wants are your sacrifices, your empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing. Not staging a lavish religious production. Hello? Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around with the occult. Wow. Getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. Because you said no to God's command, he says no to your kingship. And that's within the context of Saul and Samuel. So I guess the point is that we need to start obeying what we already know we're supposed to be doing. Right? Where am I? Is that point number one or two? Is that three? Obey what you already know to be God's will. Let's get number four. Seek godly advice. What time is it? It's 11.30. I got four more of these. Five more of these. Four more of these. Number four. Get this one. Seek godly advice. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, says this. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. Right? There's safety in the multitude of counselors. So what we need to do to discern God's will for our life is that we must surround ourselves with godly advisors. That's one of the reasons why being so connected to a local church is so important. I mean, you've got other people of like faith that are trying their best to live a godly life. And they're studying God's word and they're reading God's word and they're praying and they're walking with the Lord. And they're seeking God in their life and they're trying their best to submit to God's will and doing all these things. And you're in there with them. doing. You are now surrounding yourself with godly counseling, godly advisors. Matter of fact, I put this slide in there. I want you to get this. I want you to realize that each and every one of us are basically... A composite of the five people, now I've got some typos in there, that we are around the most. Okay? Basically, we make up the five people that we allow to influence us the most. Now, that could be a podcast, right? doesn't physically have to be somebody right there. Whatever it is you're allowing to come into your mind and your brain and whatever you're allowing to indoctrinate you, it could be a podcast of someone, it could be an author that's writing a book and you're reading everything he or she says, you're, you're becoming part of that person, it could be a spouse, it could be a, a pastor, it could be someone in the church, it could be someone on the job. I want you to think, who are those five individuals that are impacting your life the most? Who are those five people that you are allowing to influence you the most? Those five people. People. Number one, if they don't come from a biblical perspective, we ought to cut them out, right? Now, I'm not saying don't ever listen to them, but don't allow them to be one of the five because that impacts who we are as a person. Are you with me? Say amen or on me, right? You there? We really become the compiler, the composite of the five people that we are around the most. So what we need to do is to learn to seek godly wisdom. And the church 
is a wonderful tool to be able to help you in that area. Let me give you number five here, and I will try to speed this thing up some. Number five, pay attention to how God has already wired you. We're trying to discern what God's will is for our life. If that's the case, then we need to pay attention to how God has already wired us in this thing. How he's already shaped us, what our spiritual gifts are, what our heart is, what our passion is, what our abilities are, what our personality is like, what our past experiences have been. All of these are what God uses to shape and mold us to be the person that we are. Therefore, we need to pay attention to that, right? Because, listen, if you're an introvert and you think God's will is for you to go out there and be an extrovert, then that may be a little contradiction to what God's plan is for your life because he has shaped you that way, Right? Are you with me? We teach in our one-on-one class, our membership class here, that everybody needs to be plugged into some type of a ministry. But if you are an introvert person and you, and you don't have good people skills and, and you just don't know how to relate to people, we probably do not want you to be a greeter. We don't want, even want you to stand around the front door. Are you with me? Right? We got... Are you good? I mean, if that's not who you are, we need friendly people at the front door. If you're not a friendly person, listen, there's a vacuum cleaner that needs to be ran around here every single week. There's other things that need to be done around here every single week. Maybe not being a greeter at the front door is the best job for you. You get what I'm saying? Okay. So pay attention how God has wired you. Pay attention to how he's already gifted you. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. It says, each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Be good stewards of God's various gifts of grace. Now, look what it says. Each of us has received a gift to do what? To serve, to serve others. Right? Now, I think the screen, if you know, it's not on the screen, but it is in your notes right there. Okay? So be sure you get that. I want you to, God has gifted you not to get out there and be self-serving. God has gifted you so, so you can go out there and just be extremely selfish with these gifts and use these gifts to accomplish all these great things for yourself. Is that what Scripture says? No. Scripture says that God has gifted you to do what? To serve others. If you want joy in your life, you've got to get this acronym lined up correctly. It's Jesus, others, yourself. Right? Jesus, others, yourself. And there's too many people that have themselves Way too far up the chain, right? We need to die out to ourselves. We've been given a gift and how we need to serve and bless others. Let me give you another one here. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, once you accept Christ as your Savior, takes up his residence in your heart and in your life. He is within you. He's the author of the book that we read every single day, God's Word, the Bible. He's the author. You have the author of the book living within you. Read God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart and to your life and listen to the gentle spirit of the Holy Spirit. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Are you taking time out in your life every day to listen to the Holy Spirit? How do we do that? We be quiet. We get in a quiet space. We turn everything off around us. When I'm having a moment like that, where I'm just trying to get in tune with the Lord and listen to the Holy Spirit, one of the first things I do, I grab my phone and I put it in airplane mode. Because there have been too many times when I'm right in the middle of my God and I time, and I'm really tuned in to the Lord, and I'm reading His Word, I'm listening to Him, and I'm trying to get direction from Him, and the phone will ring. 
or a stupid text will come through. If you send one, I'm sorry, it's not stupid, but it will come through at the wrong time, right? Or some notification will come up, right? And I'm in NASCAR Fantasy League, and I'm now in NFL Fantasy Football League, and I do all this kind of stuff, and boom, I'll get a notification. They're having a bye week this week. I don't need to know that right now. So put it on airplane mode, right? Are you with me? Get along with God. It's okay if you miss a notification from social media for the five minutes. It's okay if you don't respond to somebody immediately in a text. It's okay. Everybody say it's okay. It's okay if you're not available 24-7. Turn the stupid thing off. Are you with me? I love technology as much as anybody. You can see it in everything I do. I love technology. But it's got to have its place. I will not allow this stupid device to lord my life. I'm going to tell it when it can be part of my life, not it be my life. Can I tell you another pet peeve right here? And I know I'm, I'm running too many rabbits and I'm way offline right here. My temperature boils when I go out to a restaurant and I'll see a family of four there. Mom and dad on their phone, kids on a tablet, nobody talking to anybody. Everybody, I mean, what? And that's what's wrong with the family today. Hello? Can we say it together? Let's say, turn the stupid thing off. Let's say it together, okay? Turn the stupid thing off. It's okay if you don't respond immediately. Set your voicemail up. Right? Let them go to voicemail. Okay? Everybody smile. I know I sent some of you in a tailspin right there. But we got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And listen, he, he's not going to compete with this. God's not going to compete with this. Matter of fact, I'm at a point in my life, I don't compete with this. If I'm trying to talk to somebody and they're like this, I'm done. I'm not going to compete with it. Let me say that with a smile on my face. I'm done. Right? I'm not going to compete with that. The Holy Spirit surely not going to compete with it. He's going to be a still, small voice. And he's going to whisper some amazing things to you. He's going to gently nudge you. And he's going to lead you into the center of God's will. But we have so much noise in our life. So much noise in our life. That we're missing the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then also we need to listen Listen to our heart. Now, I don't, I'm not going to spend much time on this one, but Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you, shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Now, I want you to notice something about this. When I am walking with the Lord, He actually begins to shape the desires of my heart to be really what the desires are for him to lead me in my life and what he wants me to do. So as I am delighting myself, you, you may look at that verse and take it out. Oh, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Look what it says. He shall give you the desires of your heart. And you take that. He will give you the desires of your heart. And you just go out there and say, God, this is what I desire today. Give it to me. Your word says you'll give it to me. Right? Well, your desires have got to come into alignment with what God's desires are for the will, his will in your life. 
as you are delighting yourself in the Lord, there's a transformation that's taking place in your heart and the desires of your heart. You're no longer desiring the things of the world or the things of the flesh or the things that are carnal or just whatever it is. Now you're really starting to desire the things of God and God is going to bring those things to fruition in your life because they line up with his will in your life. Does that make sense? That's good stuff. Let me give you number eight and I'll be done. Take a look at your circumstances. When we're trying to discern God's will in our life, God often clearly demonstrates his plan by lining up circumstances in obvious ways in our life. I have discovered that God is pretty good at opening and closing doors. God is pretty good as we are trying to discern what God's will is in my life. Because I'm, I'm, I'm submitting myself to him. I'm following all these principles we've been unpacking and talking about. Now I look at my circumstances and I'm, I'm, I'm applying everything else with this. And there's a door that's opened. And then I'll go look into that door and I'll walk through it. And I'm like, yeah, this is where God wants me to be. And then I'll keep walking and keep going. And then all of a sudden there's a door that's closed. And I'm thinking, that's where God wants me to go. And boom, the door's closed. And let me tell you something. I've beat my head against closed doors way too much. Oftentimes, when doors are closed, that's God's way of using circumstances to communicate to you that that's not the direction I want to go you to go. Now, we may, we may be all in right here, right? Our whole life may be like, we've got to walk through this door. I mean, my whole life has culminated to this point in my life. I've got to walk through that door. And it may close, and then we back up, and we start screaming like a two-year-old and throwing a tantrum right in the middle of the floor. God, open that door! Right? But God says, no, I don't want that door to be open. But then we start kicking and banging and kicking and banging. He found, finally, if you want to do your will instead of my will, it go on through. And then you're on a road of heartache there, right? And believe me, I'm... I'm got the t-shirt i've experienced that i've i've got ahead of god's will and put my own will and kicked down some doors i probably shouldn't have walked through i'm I'm speaking from experience here but when god opens a door and you walk through that and you have the peace of god on that the blessings of god are going to flow it's amazing to be in his god will now another disclaimer not every open door is god's will are you with me just because the door is open doesn't necessarily mean that's God's will for your life i just want you to see that there are circumstances that we need to pay attention to And I believe God is sovereign. I believe he's orchestrating all of our lives every single day. Scripture says he never sleeps, he never slumbers. He is in control, he's sovereign, he's he's orchestrating the event every single day in our life. I don't believe there are any accidents with God. I believe, I call them divine appointments. I mean, I've read it. Have you ever had something like that? You, you bump into somebody, and not physically with a car or anything, but, but you kind of bump into somebody and, and you, you start talking and, and you're like, why, why, how did we even meet? It's an accident that you're coming this way and I'm coming this way. Oh, it just must be coincidence. No, it's God orchestrating events. Right? So I don't look at anything as an accident. I look at things as divine appointments. That is God working in my life, working in someone else's life, whether they are a believer or not. You see that all through Scripture. God can even use unbelievers to bring about His will in your life. Are you with me? But we're paying attention to the circumstances. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10. I'm not going to read all this passage, but it's there for you. This is when Paul was on his missionary journeys, and he wanted to go a particular direction, and he heard the the voice of Macedonia and said, no, come over here, and he went a completely different direction. Why is that? Because of some circumstances that were taking place in his life. Here's my closing thought for you. If you'll take these principles, use these principles 
to help you discover God's plan. And when you seek his will earnestly, I mean seriously, you're, you're earnestly seeking God's will. If you'll use these principles, you're earnestly seeking his will. I promise you, you will find it. So I hope you can take these eight principles with you and start applying them to your life to really discern what direction it is God wants you to go in your life. He has a plan for every single one of us. He has something for us all to do. He has a will, his will for us. We just got to discover what it is. And I think these principles can help you with that. Let me pray. Now I've got one video I want to show you. And band, you can come on up. Father, we thank you for our time together today. Lord, I just pray that you've spoken to hearts. I pray that you've used these words and the scripture that I've shared to help each of us discern the direction that you would have us to go in life. God, we want to be in the center of your will. Help us to take these principles that we've shared this morning and apply them to our life so that we can walk in the center of your will. And first of all, that begins with knowing Jesus as our personal Savior. And Lord, if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that today be the day that they throw up their hands and they admit that they have sinned and that you are the sinless sacrifice that died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. You were buried and you rose again victoriously the third day and we cry out to Jesus and we ask you to forgive us and to save us and redeem us. We give our life to you. Father, I pray there's someone here that may need to do that. They do that right now. For the rest of us that know you as our Savior, help us to die out to ourself. And help us to give ourself to you as a living sacrifice. And help us to walk in your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.